is the Inside Edge. Your home for Blue Jackets news and conversation. Here's Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley. Welcome to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McGilligan along with Jody Shelley here on 97.1 The Fan. The Blue Jackets have played 10 games in this NHL season and have put together a record of 7-3 and three so far. They're in the midst of a three-game winning streak. They won both games against the Colorado Avalanche. They won the one against the New Jersey Devils to get things started. And now they're enjoying a little downtime. And uh, Jody, by the way, is uh, in New Jersey right now because he's working on the NHL Network this week. So he joins me remotely. And uh, first of all, I love watching the NHL Network when you're doing it because, you know, I learned something when you do the show, by the way. I want you to know. Oh, you're a nice friend, Bob. I appreciate that. You learned that I can speak and wear makeup or what? Or that I can't speak and I need more makeup. Uh, depends on the day and the lighting. <laughs> I'm kidding. I appreciate but, that. No, it, it is great. I, I do enjoy watching you. You guys do a great job there. So make sure you tune in to watch Jody this week on the NHL Network. Um, but let's talk about this team right now. They're on the break because originally the team was to go to Finland to play the Colorado Avalanche. And that's why there's this five-day break on the backside of that second game. I know people were asking me, why do you have so many days off right now? And it's kind of a a blessing and maybe could be a curse. I don't know. We'll find out as it goes on, but you've won the three games in a row so they can enjoy themselves. They can practice. They can feel good about that. Uh, to me, the only way it could be possibly a curse is because when you get hot in this game, you want to keep on playing and you want to build upon that. But Hey, let, let this young team enjoy it right now. Right. And then work on the things that they need to improve upon and get better. Because when you look at the schedule coming up this weekend, Back into the Metropolitan Division, you've got the Capitals here on Friday. You've got the Rangers here on Saturday. And then next week, the Red Wings come in. And to break it down even further, of those three losses, two of them have come to the Red Wings and the Rangers. So there's a lot of work to do. Yeah, and you know what? I think they've earned the break. I mean, when you look at the first part of this season, uh, the Blue Jackets, have they've done an exceptional job. I mean, you looked at the first couple of games, Detroit, and you were thinking, okay, the first three games, you got Seattle, Detroit, and Arizona. You know what? This team, you know, hopefully they get three wins because after that, things are going to get really tight. And they, they, they really passed a lot of tests. Now, if I look at the three losses, outmatched against Carolina, um, they didn't, they, they you know, and they admitted that, but they came back and played a solid outing. I think it was against Dallas um, where they just played that tight checking game that they played against that was played against them in Carolina. Uh, I think their losses have maybe been self-inflicted a little bit. And I think they know that. So when I look at this young team, I'm very impressed with how, how well they play. Uh, I think that there's so much talent here. We saw people go and we were like, oh, I think all of us to a fault were like, wow, this is going to be a lot different. But there's a lot of skilled young players left in this lineup. They play with speed and they don't play with any hesitation. So they're skilled. They use it well. They use it to get out of the zone. They use it to get through the neutral zone. Uh, they've earned what they've gotten. Their goaltender, Elvis Merzlikens, uh, is completely dialed in. So is Jonas Corposalo. Uh, what a nice tandem. It'll be interesting to see here now how these goalies get rhythm and keep rhythm because Jonas had two games back-to-back, Bob. Um, Elvis has played a couple. Like it's kind of spotty for Elvis. He still jumped in and played really well, but he's a guy that wants to play every game. So it's going to be interesting down this next stretch because you look at this break and then you try to – then if you and I, I mean, as broadcasters, we step back and go, 
Oh yeah, and then we get the February is completely off, so we know what's coming. It's going to be an absolute whirlwind of games. We go back out west, we come home, we go back out west, uh, and a lot more between here and, and February. So I hope you're enjoying the break. I like that the Blue Jackets get this break and are enjoying this break. Um, I think they're going to use it wisely, and I think there's a little bit of illness in the room, so that's uh, it's probably a good time for all those things. That's right. And you were talking about the young players that have uh, been so impactful. Cole Sillinger is at the top of that list, and he's going to join us on tonight's show, so we'll get in depth with him here in just a little bit. But this guy's got four goals already, Jody, and just go back to Saturday night. He tips that shot that Chinikov takes from just inside the blue line to put the Blue Jackets on top with a little bit over a minute to play. I mean, really, what they did against the Colorado Avalanche, you look at what the Avalanche is. They are built to win the Stanley Cup. And they were down a couple of players when the Blue Jackets were in Colorado on Wednesday. Okay, I get that. And they rallied back and they scored two empty netters and forced overtime before they lost. But then on Saturday, they got guys back. The only guy they didn't have in their lineup really was Kale McCarr. And he's a really good defenseman. But, I mean, look, they got three guys back for that game. And the Blue Jackets never blinked. They never flinched. They got down two to one. Uh, they have all of a sudden, even as a young team, made it uh, kind of a thing that they're able to come back in the third periods of games. I know you don't want to play like that long term, but they were able to come back. And it was Sillinger and really Chinikov, the two rookies that were leading the way. I think that the the come from behind stuff is uh... – that's how the, that's what this team is. This is a team that will not go away. When you're playing against the Blue Jackets, they are flat out annoying. And I got to watch them in two vantage points in Colorado, up in the booth from up high. Uh, and the dialogue was Rantanen was out, Burakovsky was out, Makar was out. You know what I mean? Maybe the Blue Jackets have a chance. Well, the Blue Jackets, and that third period was wild, especially with the goaltender out. And when you think about that, uh, Colorado scores two goals. That building is on tilt. Everything is just tilted towards Jonas Corposalo. And then they get the overtime winner. Jake Bean gets his second goal. You come back to Columbus, and you know what the dialogue was. Oh, Ranton in his back. Burakovsky is back. Here they come. They get into the third period up 2-1. And that's when I think all of us that follow this team, and I won't speak for you, but I'm pretty sure you feel the same way, are wondering, oh, here we go. This is kind of that point in the season where this team is going to, you know, we'll see what happens hope they can score another one before Colorado does. Well, they come out there and, and then for my level, Bob, I watched the power play of the Colorado avalanche get so frustrated. And I'm talking about Nathan McKinnon. I don't know if you saw Rantanen's quotes after the game. That's not yeah. how we play hockey. Well, they were forced to play that hockey. You have to credit Zach Wierenski, the defense core. I say Zach Wierenski because he's a star. He's a great, he's doing a great job defensively. Uh, he's on on point and on page with everything the Blue Jackets coaches have asked him to do. And then all these young guys, they tell him what to do. They're playing free. They're playing fast and they're in your face. That fourth line with Texier and Robinson, that's that's a tough line to play against. And, and it, you go through the lineup. They've all now found their roles. So, you know, a team is built and you're asked to do your job. And it might not be. Listen, Tex wanted to be the number one center. It just didn't work. So now he's on the wing with Corrali and Robinson. They know what they are. They know what they're supposed to do. And even with Line, we didn't talk much about Patrick Line being out of the lineup. Max Domi, uh, veteran guys who can put the puck in the net and drive the power play. The penalty kill was the key. 0 for 7, kept those guys off the board in those two games. And Nathan McKinnon at ice level, he was flat out just, I can't even say frustrated. He was, he was lost into what to do with, against uh, the Blue Jackets every shift. 
You know, when you say that and you talk about this as a team that just won't give up and they keep coming at you, I remember the early days of the John Tortorella coaching era when you would go down and talk to former teammates after the games and they would say how much they hated playing against the Blue Jackets because they just keep coming and coming and, and they're relentless and they don't give up on you uh, until they get what they want out of it. And then that kind of went away over the years. I think as they got more, and we talked about this the last couple of years, they got more offensively talented. Maybe they got away from some of that stuff. They thought they could win games a different way. Um, but now this team, and probably because of its youth and its uncertainty, they're back to that mindset, aren't they? They are. And I'll tell you what, um, there's two teams in the league right now that I really enjoy. There's a bunch of teams I enjoy watching, obviously the Edmonton Oilers, but uh, because of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, I mean, that duo is incredible. But when you watch the Calgary Flames, Daryl Sutter has gone in there and he has, he has uh, really asked of his players uh, to be in situations, but also they're so well conditioned. And the Blue Jackets camp, we talked about Tortorella's camp the past few years. It was a mental test. That's great. But Brad Larson put them through sneak, a sneaky, one of the toughest training camps they've ever had. Uh, that established, but it was a hockey camp. It was two-on-ones, one-on-ones. And we talked about this in our preview show. It was battles. It was up and down the ice. It was, it was relentless. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to skate. Now you have, we're going to see how hard you're going to work. It's you're battling against your peers every single second of the first 10 days of camp and they, you know, preseason games, there was a reflection of they were getting fatigued, but they are well conditioned. And that's what you're seeing in the third period. That's what you're seeing with their style. There's no let up. And that's, you're right. I talked to former teammates. I still do that. And they say, man, they're hard to play against. And in this league, you have to be part of, hard to play against every single shift because you can't give Nate McKinnon that extra two feet or that extra ice to skate in. You've got to work to get there, work to get the puck, and then get out. And I don't think the Blue Jackets and some of the top teams right now in the league, they don't defend. They check. They go after the puck. They go get it back. And I think that's a big difference uh, with their conditioning, how they want to play, and how other teams are like, man, they're, they are a handful. So it's a, it's a fun combination. And, you know, Bob, in Columbus, Ohio, this is what we want to see. We want to see the honest effort. Uh, and, and the way they, their attitude and, and the way they play together, it's, it's, a, it's a really a nice mix. Yeah, and we talked about this during uh, the training camp. You can see that there is um, there's something going on here. These guys like each other, and you know we can talk about that in training camp, but you don't know how it's going to manifest itself when you really start playing meaningful games. And it, it's transferred. It's transferred from the dressing room to the ice. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, I, I want to, you know, Bob, we should talk about one thing, and, that, you know, the – they had a track. This team suffered, suffered a major tragedy this summer. And um, our hearts are all, um, you know, out there, especially for Elvis Merzlikens. And, um, you know, we all wondered how they'd respond, especially Elvis. And, and, you know, I see something special there. And there's a number of reasons. But I know they wear that, that sticker, that number 80 on their helmets. And Elvis wore the number his first night. But, um, you know, there, there's... Um, there's a lot of different motivators and, and what they suffered and how they had to deal with the locker room, their, their goalie coach, Manny legacy. There's a special incentive here for this team. And I, I don't know what you think, but I think we're, we're seeing a, a tighter bond just because they went through something that are dealing with something on the inside we're, we we can talk about it on the outside and, and talk about how, how tragic it was, but for them, it's uh, something they really 
um, are, are bonding around and, and it's a special, special thing to deal with in that locker room. Do you see that too? I do see it. And I, and I also think to take it a step further, the guys that were not a part of that, that have come in here, it's like you're automatically bought in though, because you can see what it means to everybody else. Would you agree with that? I would an opening night. Uh, what, a I mean, how do you acknowledge and honor uh, a kid, uh, that went through that as a part of your team? I thought they really did a, a tremendous job in doing that and having Matisse's family here and, and having them in the locker room. And, you know, I, I agree. I think that that was a, a special way to start the season. Yeah, I think that and, you know, you've got that. And if you're coming in from the outside, some of the guys that have come in, like Cole Sillinger, who's going to join us in a minute here, you know, he's got a lot to prove at 18, making it to the NHL. Uh, Igor Chinikov is a guy that uh, the people on TV didn't even know who he was when he got drafted two summers ago. And then he was the rookie of the year in the KHL. He's got something to prove in this league. Gregory Hoffman comes over here after playing in Europe for all those years, gets a first NHL chance. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ties that bind with these Mm -hmm. stories. And um, I know it's only been 10 games. I know there's 72 games left to play, but it is hard not to get excited. It's fun for us. I, that That's what I get from it, Jody. Just being around guys now that we're back on the plane and on the bus and in the arenas, both home and on the road. I, I just get that feeling of, uh, you know, how much they trust each other, how much they enjoy each other and how those those ties have them brought together pretty tightly. Yeah. And I think it's important to enjoy these moments. I mean, yeah, we can all we can all discredit them and say, oh, it's only 10 games in. But no, this is 10 games in. This is a segment where you take a step back and be like, that was good. We have to, you know, this, these, those players who have to think that no, we, we have to be better. We know that, but uh, that's the start you want in the National Hockey League. And a start that nobody outside of Nationwide Arena thought that they were going to have, quite honestly. Let's be <laughs> honest about it. They were the only ones that thought they could have that start, and they have done just that. All right, coming up next, we're going to bring in Cole Sillinger. We'll talk about what this guy has done in his first 10 NHL games, and it is beyond impressive. This is the Inside Edge on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. I'm Bob McKelly, along with Jody Shelley, and we are joined right now by Cole Sillinger, who has taken the Blue Jackets by storm. I almost said you took the NHL by storm, and and maybe that would be fair at this point in time, but uh, I don't want to put all that pressure on you. First of all, thanks uh, for sitting down with us. We really do enjoy it. And uh, how much are you enjoying this experience through your first 10 games in the National Hockey League? Yeah, it's been, uh, I mean, it's been a, a whirlwind, right? I mean, no... For an 18-year-old kid, there's not anything else I'd want to do. I mean, growing up, um, I've always wanted to play in the NHL, and, I mean, maybe it's happened sooner than uh, I'm expected. So, yeah, I'm just trying to take it all in, and, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been awesome so far. Is it happening sooner than you expected, or from the time you were drafted and you got here, was your entire intention to prove to the Blue Jackets that you were ready to play in this league right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, ever since I got drafted, that was the goal, was to um, make an impression at an NHL camp and make a push to, to make the team. Um, if, if, I didn't, if I came to camp thinking that I was going to make the team and, and was ultimately thinking I was going to get sent home, then uh, I probably got sent home fairly quick. So I had that mindset of uh, that 
Oh, I want to be here and I deserve to be here. And uh, I think that's uh, brought me a long way. You know, on draft night, we were here in the building and you remember that Jody and I uh, had a, a Zoom call with you that night after you got drafted. But you should have seen this guy running around this building up until <laughs> you got drafted here, telling everybody that would listen <laughs> and even people that didn't want to listen. We got to get Sillinger, got to get Sillinger with this pick, got to get it. And uh, I remember how happy he was when uh, Brian Boucher's son got picked by the Ottawa Senators because mm. that pretty much sealed the deal that you yeah. were going to be here. So, I, look, I've never seen Jody be such an advocate for a player in the draft. We always talk about the draft and go, oh, we're never going to see these guys for three years. Big deal. He was a big advocate. Here you are. I just want to make sure you know that about it. You know, I know he and your dad are close, but yeah. he was he's your biggest awesome. fan there. Yeah, that's awesome, Jody. Well, you know, Cole, I mean, it was uh, I don't get to make decisions, but I understood from hearing from your dad and knowing what you're like and, you know, having brief interactions that this is the guy we need in Columbus, Ohio. Right, Bob? <laughs> yeah, there's no question. And we're seeing it now with the way that you're playing. So that's absolutely great. But uh, and the funny thing is, and Jody, we talk about everybody that's uh, from Columbus. Sean Corrales comes back as a free agent. Jack Roslovic came here in a trade. You were born here, so it kind of counts. I know you don't really remember any that, of that, yeah. right? But it but it kind of counts. But it's got to be special uh, for you to be here where your dad wanted you to come play, where the organization was so happy to, to be able to get you in the draft. And then again, we're sitting right here talking right now because you're 10 games into your mm -hmm. career. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if you just look at the whole like scenario and situation, I mean, I don't think it like from draft, I don't think it could have worked out um, any better. Like you said, my dad played here. I was born here. We got a lot of great, um, no family friends here. And it just kind of seemed like um, the perfect fit. Um, um, one could argue that Columbus needed a player like, you know, myself, Kent Johnson and um, Coolman's uh, they all got drafted there um, in the first round. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it's super exciting. Cole, I'm wondering when, okay, take us back a long time ago when you were 15, 14 years old, like three or four years ago. And when did it change for you? Because I know your brothers and your family moved out to Western Canada. Uh, your dad was working for the Oilers at one point. Um, at Regina is your hometown. That's where he played junior. You know, there's a lot of good roots there, but you went to British Columbia. I think you were 13 or 14 years old. Yeah, Can 14. you tell us what that was like and, and, and how that changed your path a little bit? Yeah. Um, so that was my Bantam draft year. Um, I decided to move out to the Okanagan Hockey Academy. It's called um, ran by Dixon Ward. And both my brothers were playing for the V's and my dad accepted a job as the, as the skills coach for the entire Academy. So he'd come up with our team and then also with all, there's eight teams there at the time. So, I mean, that was like the first time um, I really saw what it takes um, to get to the next level. I mean, they had us um, training every single day and I'm like, here, I'm like a 14 year old kid. I'm like, haven't really trained my body um, by a trainer. Don't really, don't really know how to train my body at all. Um, so seeing that first time and getting that taught to me, um, the things I need to do off the ice that'll help me on the ice. Um, that was a huge eye opener for me. And um, I mean, just, we had so, like so much individual work, whether it's skill work, power skating, um, just explosive work, um, working on your hands, your shot. Um, basically they had us doing um, everything to improve our game um, five days a week. And then we played in the weekend. So um, it was a lot of commitment um, for 14 year old kids. Can you explain to me what a day looked like? Academy includes school, correct? Yeah. So we would, <laughs> we would wake up and they would have vans. So they would come get us and bring us to school. And we would do school from like eight to noon. We would you know like all on our computers and just like dialed in for like, like eight, to like four hours. And then after that, we would get bus to the um, rink. They would have lunch. We'd lunch for us we'd eat lunch and then um depending on the day um it'd either be like a, a power skating and then a lift and then like a skills 
or like a team practice and then a lift. Like it was just different. It was different every day. Um, but they always had us um, doing an off ice training and then either one or two on ice trainings. And then, so from there, you end up playing major junior, but last year you play um, tier two, you play in the USHL. What was that like for you? Was that a step back or was that an opportunity to play hockey last year? I think it was really an opportunity to, to play hockey. Um, in my opinion, um, the difference in the leagues, like when, when I was 16 playing in Medicine Hat, um, there was a lot of skill in the Western Hockey League. Um, there's a little bit more structure, I'd say, in, uh, in that game towards, uh, compared to the USHL. But last year, there was a lot of colleges that didn't get to play. So their, um, their players are coming back to the USHL. And then also other teams in the USHL um, didn't have the money to play. So those players went to different teams. And you played within your division. So we were playing like four or five teams and uh, we build rivalries like every single night. So um, it was an older league. Um, it was a greasier league. And I think it, it really prepared me for, uh, for coming to camp here. How, was that a hard decision for you, though, at the time? Like, that's not easy You because you did have the WHL option, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what actually happened was the Western Hockey League, they kept getting pushed back and you no know, further and further. And right. uh, finally, they gave all players a release till December 20th, I think it was. So I was actually, I made the decision to go down to Sioux Falls on like in the middle of October, hopefully I can play um, a month of hockey, maybe get 10 games in or so, and then come back and then go to the Western Hockey League. But there were some release issues and transfer issues with Medicine Hat, Hockey Canada, Sioux Falls and USA Hockey. So I was down there, got to practice, didn't get to play any games, came back. And then um, the Western Hockey League announced their plans um, for like a 24 game season uh, in a bubble type. But it was really out of their control. It was in the government's hands. And I mean, who knows um, if it was going to start or not. So I, I had to make a decision and uh, my whole teammates in, in Medicine Hat and especially uh, my coach, Willie Desjardins, he was very supportive of me with giving my release um, for me to go play hockey, go play guaranteed games down in the States. And um, I mean, just having that um, experience of going there beforehand um, gave me a lot of um, um, insight on what the organization is about and how it's ran. And I knew that it was a place where uh, I could get better and, and find some success. And then uh, the rule was if I was to commit to Sioux Falls, I couldn't go back to the Western Hockey League um, until uh, until my last game in Sioux Falls was up. So um, that's kind of how that all played out. But it was uh, a great opportunity um, for myself. And I can't thank Medicine Hat enough for uh, loaning me to Sioux Falls. And it's funny as you tell that story, because the last year was so bad for everybody. The last year and a half was so bad for yep. everybody. But in your case, it kind of created an opportunity, maybe something that, well, obviously something that you wouldn't have done. Mm -hmm. And this is something that set you up really well. Not only did you get drafted and, and you're here, but even had you not been able to stick in the National Hockey League, there were options that could have put you to Cleveland mm -hmm. instead of sending you back to junior. So you really found a, a good situation for yourself, huh? Yeah. I mean, at the time, I wasn't really thinking that far ahead. It was me like nobody was. Yeah. It was just like, let's try to play hockey. Let's try to find games with fans. I mean, so the scouts can see the stands. And just for me, just for my development, right? I'm a young kid. Playing games is, is the best thing for me. There's only so much weights a young guy can lift. So, um, yeah, I had no idea that um, all these doors would have been open to me um, after the fact. Um, but I mean, it was just a, Overall, um, great experience getting to play in, uh, in front of fans. I mean, we had like at one point it was like uh, we had uh, 
like the second or first highest attendance in North America with our fan baby, like 10,000 fans. It was crazy. So um, <laughs> there was really no COVID down there and, and that made things fun. And, and like you said, it created opportunities. If there was no COVID, I wouldn't have got the chance to go down to USA and I mean, meet new people. That's what hockey's all about. Right. So um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great time in Sioux Falls. At what point as it was going on, did you start to really figure out that, uh, Hey, this is going well. And, you start to hear things about your draft stock and, and where you might be and how high you might go. At what point during the season does that stuff creep into your head? Um, honestly, I try not to let it get to my head too much. Um, I had a I had a fairly good year um, when I was 16 in Medicine Hat. So, I mean, that set me up pretty well. But um, I want to just keep that going. And it was more so for, for my development. I wanted to make sure um, I could do what's best for me. And then ultimately when I do have the chance to go to an NHL camp, I'm prepared. So that was my mindset. I, I didn't, I wasn't, wasn't really worried about um, or who's ranking me here or who they're maybe not giving leagues um, a certain amount of respect because it's tier two sort of um, hockey. But um, yeah, it was, I just tried to just take it day by day and um, play, play the games and, and practice and just try to develop. You know, as you talk about this, you're so articulate about it, and it was so well thought through, and I'm sure that other people were helping you along, but I can just tell that you were, you know, this is, you had a plan, and, and as the plan changed, you were able to just go ahead and change with a plan. I think that's very admirable, uh, you know, especially being 17, 18 years old and, and trying to navigate this. Uh, who did you lean on to help you with the decision? Uh, obviously, my family. I mean, my parents. Um... They played a, I mean, huge part in, um, in the decision process. And um, obviously my dad's you no know, played a long time. He knew what was best for me. And, and he knew that um, ultimately um, waiting for a league to start. And then if it ended up not starting, I'd have been uh, pretty upset with myself because I did have the opportunity to go down and play 30 plus games. So um, he, he was great. I mean, my coach medicine hat was awesome. Um, had some agents involved as well, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was a group process and a group decision. We are talking with Blue Jackets centerman Cole Sillinger here on the Inside Edge. Our conversation continues right after this on 97.1 The Fan. The Blue Jackets are back in action on Friday night. They will take on the Washington Capitals. It is the annual Hockey Fights Cancer Night. To get your tickets or to find out more information, go to bluejackets.com or the Blue Jackets app. This is the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley, and now we continue our conversation with Blue Jackets centerman Cole Sillinger. Let's talk about your family, Cole, because your mom, Carla, uh, your dad, Mike, used to have me over for Thanksgiving dinner. And I know you're at a great situ situation now with your home front here in Columbus and who you're living with, with family, friends. But at some point, I got to return that favor. So we'll have to have you over for dinner at some point here <laughs> at our house with the Shelleys. But I know your brother, Lucas and Owen, uh, they went to Bemidji State. Uh, what's your relationship with them like? Because um, I saw when you were much younger, you guys are all competitive. You're all up in each other's hair, but you guys uh, have a real admiration for each other. Uh, how important and what impact is that on, on where you're at right now? Yeah. I mean, like you said, we, we've always been super competitive and uh, um, but super close in a way. And um, I mean, that's, that's played a huge role, not only for me, but, but for them as well. I mean, I was, I was the youngest brother. So I was, I was getting beat up on and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, just, just even like it, it was anything around the household. It seemed like it was, it was always a competition. And um, I think it just created that, that drive for, for not only me, but, but all of us to, to want to do something and, and to get to a certain point and just kind of to, 
to never let off. And um, I mean, that's a, that's a great quality. I think that um, our whole entire family has. Yeah, no question. Uh, your dad is uh, uber competitive on the golf course. Have you, <laughs> have you, can you beat him on the course yet? Uh, yeah, I can. There's been times where at, at the end of last summer, since we, we got to play golf right until golf season finished in Regina, um, there's been times where I um, gave it to him. That's good. So talk, talk to us now about what it's, what it's like for you. Um, I mean, you've been in the NHL now for a month. Uh, you've been in camp, uh, started back, uh, well, you, probably two months ago in, in, up in Traverse City. Uh, you're settled in, and it seems like, you know, first when they talked about you, Cole, they, they were talking about not, not being able to skate very fast. Where, where the heck does this come from? And, and I'm watching you. I'm like, who, who puts this dialogue out there? Because, man, you look like you're not only driving the play, but, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're doing great things uh, for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, I mean, um, with, with my skating, I think, uh, I mean, growing up, personally, I don't think I was ever the best skater, um, but I've always felt uh, um, I can get to places, right? I can, I can beat a guy in a puck race. Maybe it didn't look so pretty or, or so smooth, but um, I just always had that competitive edge. And um, I mean, with COVID was honestly a, a good time for that, to, for me to work on, no, I got to work on skating for, I think it was like a full entire year. I was not playing hockey. So um, I have a really great power skater back home in Regina that uh, um, helped me and, and made some tweaks um, in my stride. And I think um, a lot of it has to do with just off ice and in the gym. I mean, um, coming from 16, 17 and 18, your my body changed a lot right from that through, like I put on um, a lot of, a lot of pounds in my lower half, um, you know, Hopefully, I think, I think I put on a lot of muscle in them in my legs and in my glutes. I think that um, just helps with uh, overall explosiveness um, in a stride. And I think um, um, being here, um, it's it, just playing with the pace and knowing how fast guys are. And even in practice, you always got to be moving. You always got to be up to speed. And um, that's, that's allowed me to, I mean, always be explosive and have that mind that I got to get my feet going. What's the best part about being here? in the national hockey league? Uh, I'd probably say, I mean, the guys, um, just it's, it's, it's really unique. I'm um, seeing um, guys growing up watching and then um, really getting to know them. And they're really just one of us. I mean, they're, um, they got their families, they're, they're doing their, they're having their own careers and uh, it's just really unique to see. And um, we're a younger team this year. It's, um, it's, it's good for me because I'm 18 coming up in the, in the younger group. Um, never really get left out, which is awesome. And, um, but yeah, the, nothing beats the guys. <laughs> How much do you feel like what you were able to do at Traverse city got you an opportunity to play with Jake and Patrick line during the preseason to get that little taste. And then I think it's fair to say that because of what you did then, when the switch had to be made in Colorado last week, it was probably an easy thing for Brad Larson to do because he'd already kind of seen how you interact with those guys. Yeah. I mean, Traverse city, um, for me, was a, a good, uh, point to see where, I, where I'm at. I mean, I didn't right up until Traverse city. I haven't even, I haven't played my last game was like, well, March or so. So I haven't played hockey in a while. So it was a good benchmark to see, um, not only where I'm at, but where all of us prospects are at. And, um, I thought, uh, as a prospect group, we did very well. Um, we you know, won all four games and I think, uh, we were just, um, we came together in a short period of time and, um, yeah, personally, I thought I had a, um, pretty good tournament. I was really excited. And, um, you know, I, the, the organization asked me to take a 
uh, a good step um, above for the prospect group in, in Traverse City. Um, I think uh, not only me, but Chinnikov, both of us uh, did that um, fairly well. And then, um, yeah, in the, the first day of camp when I walked in and, and saw my name with those two uh, um, great NHL players and um, um, older veterans, um, I just tried to understand that, I mean, that Lars put me in that position for a reason and not be uh, a, a deer in the headlights, sort of say, just try to stay calm and uh, stay poised and play my game. And um, when you're playing with guys like that, they're, I mean, they helped help me out a ton. I mean, Jake and, and Patty were awesome um, in that short span. And I got to play with them in camp. I got to build chemistry with them and, and get to know them off the ice. But was there a little bit of nervousness there when you first look at the sheet? I mean, you're 18 years old. Yeah. Jake Vorchek's 32. You know, Patrick Line has been a 40-goal scorer. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden you go, I'm going to play between these guys tonight? Well, I was more more so excited, honestly, than nervous. I Good. mean, like you said, yeah, doesn't really matter jake's age he's still young he's look he's one of the best players in the league in my opinion still one of the best passers protects puck very well but um it, it's just the opportunity to get to getting to play with that guy and like you said patty he scored 40 goals in this league so um it, just learning things from those two guys and just learning the way they think the game i think that's one of the biggest things that i learned in that short period of time is the way they think the game it's it's not uh they're not robots on the ice right they they all they're always moving. They're always talking. They're always trying to find different ways to expose the other team. And now Chinikov has gotten on that line with line a being injured. And as you said, you guys built a little chemistry in Traverse city. Again, I would think it was almost a no brainer to throw him <laughs> on the line with you. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, he's, he's been awesome, um, through the whole entire process as well. And, um, I think that is his comfort level in the room and his, his English is getting better. He's understanding more. And I think that's helping just with his confidence on the ice. I mean, um, right from day one, he's been, he, he hasn't looked at it, but he's been applying everything. And I think like, if I was to put myself in his shoes, if I was to go over to Russia and not speak a lick of Russian, uh, it, it's, it's, it's impressive watching him do, do what he's doing. So, um, yeah, he's a great guy off the ice. We have really good chemistry and, uh, yeah, that, that, um, the line with me, uh, Chini and Jake, um, we had, uh, a good game last game, I thought. Um, if we're together moving forward, we just got to keep it up. How much uh, – you're getting a little break this week, but when you look at the last two games, the Colorado Avalanche, I mean, that's a team that's uh, a good test for you guys. Um, man, that went well, didn't it? I mean, you guys – it's pretty remarkable that, uh, you know, you, Boone Jenner down the middle of the ice, you guys really did a great job on, on Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, thank you. I thought uh, I thought as a, like as a group we played very well. We um, in both games, our our first and second periods were were really good. We were getting uh, a lot of help from our goaltenders, and then I mean both games were down two one going to the third, and and we find find a way to win both times. And uh, I think it just goes from you know our structure and playing within a system and and just be believing we can do it and um, just understanding how we win. I think that's the the biggest thing um, when. Uh, when we're thinking about our structure and, and actually applying it. It's impressive to see the confidence because you guys have been down too. And, and, you know, young teams, there's situations in games where things change and, and you're not sure what's going to happen, but there's a certain maturity level with this team. And who brings that? Is there one person in this locker room that everyone looks to, or is it more of a group? I think it's more of a group. I mean, I, it obviously starts from our, our older veterans and our and our leadership group. They're they're the ones that are expected to uh, to bring that maturity and bring that drive. And and all of us young guys um, lean on them um, when we need to. So I think there's uh, I, it's not. I think in our room, it's not 
divide, right? We're one big hole. And I think that's allowing us to uh, have some success, success on the ice. All right, I want to ask you, since you do have a break, what, what, what do you do? Like, what, you know, 18 years old, you're in Columbus, you're living with a family. What does the day look like for you uh, for an afternoon, an evening? What do you do for fun? Uh, I teed it up on um, yesterday, actually. Yeah. What a week for that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was Beautiful. great weather. So uh, um, you snuck out, played nine holes, and um, just bumming around the Malta guys, going out for dinners, going out for lunches, and just taking care of the body. Um, that's that's basically it. <laughs> you do a good job of that, don't you, taking care of the body? Try to. boy, Just like your dad. Yeah. Uh, how, <laughs> how about uh, any good spots or – and what group do you hang out with with this team? Who's who you uh, gravitated towards? Um, a lot of the younger guys. I mean, Bokey, Beaner, um, Chinny, trying to bring him as my peaker. Um, just a lot of the younger guys. And I mean, everyone is super easy to talk to. I mean, hang, hang out, play golf with, with Boone, Gus, um, Jake, just everybody. I mean, I've, I feel comfortable um, around everyone. And that's, that's awesome for me being a young guy. Um, but I think the best... I love, we always go to Duamichi for, for lunch, for pregame. That's a good, uh, that's a good, good spot. Italian spot. Yeah. And, um, I like the North star. Cafe. Oh yeah. That's, that's good, good for breakfast. Spot. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's breakfast, lunchy type stuff. I like that. Yeah. Good, healthy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, I just got one more thing for you. I got uh, two sons. One's 20 years old. He's an athlete. He, he can't believe that you're 18 and he's, you know, he's struggling through college trying to become a pitcher and here you are in the national <laughs> hockey league. My other one is 18. He's not really a sports guy. He just realized about a week ago that you're the same age as him and you're playing in the NHL. He said, how'd that happen? <laughs> um, you know, we, we talk about your age all the time. Um, it is a subject of conversation for us because we've been in this league and we've seen so many guys and there's so many older guys, but for you, you're just living life day in and day out. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not, not, I'm not worried about my age at all. Um, I'm, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't phase me. It doesn't really get me nervous um, that I'm 18 or one of the youngest or the youngest guy in the NHL currently. I just try to go out there and, and like I said earlier, understand that I'm here for a reason and just uh, just play my game and try to get better every day. I got one last thing. 34. You get that number. They just give that to you or is that something you pick? Uh, no, they, they gave it to me. I mean, I was always growing up. I was always four or 44 if we could be it. Um, but when I was younger, you can never put like a number on your jersey past the goalies so like past 33 or whatever it was and then um when i my first year junior um i was 44 and then last year when i went to sioux falls um there was a player michael Starr. he was already 44 and then um sioux falls just gave me 34 and then um yeah i got got drafted here and then first day camp there was 34 on my jersey so <laughs> that's how that worked out you know what? You have a chance to make that number famous if you continue the upward trajectory here for a long time. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's already a pretty prominent player that's 34 in the NHL. So, I mean, we'll see what the, if I stick with it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cole, thank you very much. We really do appreciate it. Uh, great to talk with you. Great to catch up with you. And it's, it's a great lineage here with your dad having played here. And now here you are and making such big waves in the league. Uh, best of luck. I know you got a tough... Uh, Weekend coming up here yeah. with the Capitals and the Rangers. Rangers. Yep. So just uh, best of luck to you in battling through these games. Yeah. Thank you very much, Bob. Thanks, Jody. Yeah. Thanks, Cole. Good seeing you. That is Blue Jacket centerman Cole Sillinger. We'll be back with more of the Inside Edge right after this on 97.1 The Fan.
Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets are going to be back at home on Friday night as they take on the Washington Capitals. I had to stop for a second. It's been so long since there's been a game. We were talking about that earlier. I was like, what day is this? And what day do they play? Friday night, Washington is going to be here at 7 o'clock. Jody is in New Jersey doing work for the NHL Network this week, which is perfect because this is the segment where we go basically around the league and talk about who's hot and the Washington Capitals. Jody, I don't care who's in their lineup. The fact that Alexander Ovechkin is in their lineup means they're dangerous when they get here Friday night. Well, you're talking about a motivated player who's tracking down uh, names in history as goal scorers ahead of him. Uh, he caught one the other night in, in their win over Buffalo when he scored. Uh, he's now with Brett Hall. He's tied with Brett Hall in all-time goals in the National Hockey League. Uh, a conversation will they ever catch Gretzky? I think he's just over 150 goals behind him. Uh, that's pretty incredible. And he's, I mean, he's a guy we've watched now for over a decade and a half, and, and he's got more to give. So, yeah, they have a lot of injuries. Backstrom's out. Oshie's out. Uh, Manta's out. That's three of their top six. But then you have Tom Wilson, you have Orlov, you have uh, Carlson, you've got uh, Ovechkin. There's some great players there, uh, a good coach. So, yeah, this is a team you can't take lightly. Um, they've had their struggles, uh, but the Blue Jackets, again, I hope they've learned from Colorado and be like, you can't just look at those uh, players that are out. you got to get up for Alexander Ovechkin and be one of the, the few teams so far this season that he's not scored a goal against. That would be the goal of the game, but that's a tall task. Yeah, that is a tall task. And you know what? He hasn't scored one goal from that one-time position that he sets up in. They've all been different goals in that one-timer. So wait till he gets that going. That'll be even uh, <laughs> that'll be even scarier. Well, that'll be up to those Blue Jackets penalty killers that you talked about earlier in the show to uh, to come up and take that away, which is, as we all know, it always is the challenge. The New York Rangers are here on Saturday. They're one of the teams that beat the Blue Jackets. And when the Blue Jackets were at Madison Square Garden, it, it was a four to nothing game. But the thing that really stood out was that the Rangers used speed and quickness and the Blue Jackets were on their heels and they never got their speed and quickness going. And and that's why it was a, an easily decided game against them. But the Rangers actually handed the Florida Panthers their first loss after Florida had uh, jumped out of the gate with uh, with a great record to get things started. So the Rangers, uh, in a way, I guess they're feeling it. Uh, I, you know what? The Rangers are interested. I think they played their maybe their best game against the Blue Jackets. Uh, Panarin's still not really going. Zibanejad is, you know, their top-line guy. They gave him a lot of cash. Okay, uh, Kreider's he, feeling it. How's that? Is that better? Yeah, Kreider's always feeling it. You're right. He's, he plays well against the Blue Jackets. Their story of them is Chase Sturkin. I mean, their goaltender is really, you know, they're above 500. Uh, are they really above 500 team? I'm not sure. I, I think their goaltending has, has really stole them a couple wins, but it's a team that needs to be kept at bay. And for the Blue Jackets, uh, I think it's, uh, that's what I love about the Metropolitan Division. This team went into the Madison Square Garden. It was an exciting night. Didn't, didn't play well. And now you're going to have them back at Nationwide Arena. I know it's the second of a back-to-back, -back, Washington, New York but they'll be up for that game. They'll be up for both games. So look for a little bit of a payback from the Blue Jackets. Um, you know, I, the, I, that we missed this last year, Bob. This is what we missed. And we talk about it, I think, every show, but it's a real thing. It's having the, that uh, Ranger Blue in the building. It's having Ovechkin in the building. Uh, that gets your juices flowing for our fans, who, by the way, have been phenomenal. I mean, I don't know what it's like up in, in the press box, but at ice level, it's uh, there's been games where I just have to take my headset off and listen because it's incredible to listen and watch um, how excited and how great the fans are.
Oh, I, I totally agree with you on that. Go back to Saturday night. I mean, as soon as they got it tied and it was really, <laughs> phew, then the roof was ready to come off. Um, in the Ranger thing, there are another couple of little storylines. Uh, the Kreider Elvis uh, thing that went on during the last game. And listen, first of all, that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, that you, I don't have to tell you. That was every shift of every game when you played, right? Yeah. I mean, now, nowadays, it's like, oh, he said something to him, and oh, my goodness, he got mad. You know, whatever. So, there, But there's that, and then there's the, uh, you know, Elvis telling his teammates to hold up at the end to make sure Shesterkin gets the – the shutout at the end of it, which I'm not going to get into. I went through that on my podcast. I don't want to. I don't think that'll help that it. Again. It won't I, happen again. No, it won't happen again. But I'm just saying, so with that game in particular, you're talking about being back in the Metropolitan Division, and there are another couple of little storylines, which I, did we even have that all last year, even though you played every team eight times? I don't I don't recall that. It was just like, you know, it, John Tortorella used to say there needs to be more hate in the game. There's not enough hate in the game anymore. And I, I think the Rangers, they've been good uh, – Rivals in the past, you know, after the Rick Nash uh, trade and Dubinsky came over and all that stuff. And uh, there's part of me, I got my fingers crossed that maybe this uh, Kreider stuff, maybe that could happen again. Yeah, well, hopefully Elvis plays. I mean, this I don't know how the team looks at it, but, you know, you got a back-to-back scenario. Uh, I love, Yeah, that's fun stuff. And, and the thing of it is, you know, it's one guy, it looked like there was an interaction with Elvis and Kreider. And when that happens and then you score a goal or you score two, yeah, you're going to, your emotions take over because you want to get the best of the goalie. And if the goalie is the one that makes the big save and holds it up and, and he gets the last lap, maybe we'll see that. So yeah, that's good stuff. That's competitive. I don't care where you are, what you're doing. You're playing one-on-one basketball, or if you're playing tennis with someone, you know, there's that moment where you get the guy and you're like, yeah, I gotcha. Well, guess what? Next time, guess who's coming a little bit harder at you. So be ready for it. We don't see our athletes put themselves out there and up there like that, you know, because now that creates that spot like, ooh, what are you going to do next? Uh, and that's what we love about sports. Yeah. Ooh, what are you going to do next? That's how we live, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, we try to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Well, Jody, uh, hey, thanks. Uh, you know, being on location and doing all this and doing all that great work that you are for the NHL network. Uh, again, I really meant it when I said it earlier, it's fun to watch you. I love to uh, watch you break it down and listen to you break it down and just maybe a little bit more makeup. Well, <laughs> I'll try that, Bob. Thank you very much for the advice. I appreciate the kind words. That's it. You got to get the uh, makeup advice from radio guys. See, that's, that <laughs> yeah. works out perfectly. Hey, I just so want you know, an honest opinion. You know what you can do with that advice coming from a radio. <laughs> See ya. All right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets are on the ice on Friday night, taking on the Washington Capitals Saturday night against the New York Rangers. Both games start at 7 o'clock. You can get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com or using the Blue Jackets app or going to Ticketmaster.com. Thanks to Cole Sillinger for being our guest tonight, and thank you for listening to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan.